0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Copywriting Course, and Ross Hudgens, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So uh, I really wanted Ross Hudgens on here because he runs Siege Media, and they're literally the only SEO company I recommend people to because I get that a lot. Uh, What SEO company should I use? And I'm like, well, most companies I know don't actually have any SEO traffic themselves, and most of their clients don't, so... I can't in full faith recommend that, yours does, and for really big companies. So you handle like medium to large size companies like Zillow, Shutterfly, Airbnb, Intuit, Casper, ZipRecruiter, way more. Um, Ross's company has been on the Inc. 5000 list for the last four years in a row. Correct. Pretty awesome. Um, And the reason I like Ross is that he does SEO that gets uh, results for clients, of course, but like at scale. So that seems really hard to do at scale. And most crucially, I've seen your actual work, and it's actually legit good. Thank you. Like, <laughs> That's <laughs> always the problem. Then yeah.
1: so you check after. Exactly.
0: We'll go into that. But like, that's a, a crucial difference between you and a lot of companies I've seen, where I see their work, and I'm like, mm, yeah, this Not is real private, hacky yeah. stuff. So um, I think the last time I visited, you had like 60 employees or something like that?
1: Yeah, we're actually 85 now.
0: Whoa. Okay. And you've got offices in San Diego, New York, Austin, and I assume remote all over the place yeah, now? Yeah, Exactly. Cool, man. Today's so world thanks event. for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's hard to find good SEO people. Like, as you know, Yeah. very secretive industry. And you were one of the few people that openly talks about it and that's good at it.
1: I mean, I hope the world has changed a little bit, that people are a little more open because it definitely was a black box of shadiness for a while. But I think it's increasingly that's less and less of that stuff is working. Um, but I, I, try to be transparent and not everyone shares what they do, which still surprises me, but. well,
0: I mean, in a way it's a little bit of a zero sum game, right? Like there's only like one number one spot, like, isn't that, yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: So you I don't want to tell your tricks sometimes, right? Yeah, I get, I, I always am of the mind. I'm like, no one's going to out execute. It's really execution. You know, like you put in so much work over like 10 plus years now, uh, how, like that's 10 years of work to build brands. Uh, design seo good copy the outreach piece all of these like tying together so much complexity that good luck to those people because <laughs> you got to execute um and we were we were even lucky to be early in that process and you start building a mode so closer um closer Mike. yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah um okay so first of all let's off start, start off with the basics of seo so a lot of people come to us uh when they're writing content and they're saying like, how do we rank? So we obviously have to teach people what SEO is. And ultimately I've, I've been doing this for 20 plus years before it's called SEO. And it's kind of <laughs> like, it's, it's down to this like half sentence. It's you make really good content and
1: get lots of links and attention to it. Is that kind of it? Yeah, well, our tagline for our show on YouTube is content and links for that reason. Oh, it's, that- it's definitely not it, but that's a very basic. If you could do those two things pretty well, you're gonna you're a lot of the way there. You've
0: shortened it down to three words. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of people, they read a lot of these blogs and stuff. And of course, there's like a bazillion like ranking factors. You know, nice. everyone's like, Google has like 3,000 ranking factors. There's like meta tags, description <laughs> tags, title tags, page speed, read time, mobile friendliness, all that crap. Is there like a 90-10 rule where it's like 90% of the results come from like 10% of the effort?
1: I hear that sometimes I do think with search, you can have a higher hit rate if you're executing pretty well. There's definitely something to, if your title tag is completely off, you're just not going to rank. But I do think with, like, if you have quality content and you, I think one thing people very often get wrong is the user intent of a search. So if you, ser- if you're searching for something like copywriting software and you're, or you want to rank for best copywriting software and you're, Uh, someone who sells that. Most people actually want a roundup from a unbiased third party, like probably Siege, because we don't sell a copywriting software, but people will not understand that. And they just will have no chance of ranking. So if they have quality content that solves and they can understand that and solve for that, that, I feel like that carries a lot of the weight and you can tweak a lot of those other solve smaller things over time. But but those things, like usually
0: people's title tags and stuff are not like way off, right? Like if you, if you have a standard WordPress install and you say copywriting software, you make that as the title <laughs> and you write a roundup of the 10 best copywriting softwares or whatever. Right. Like out of the box, I feel like almost everything
1: is done, right? SEO wise, like technically. Yeah, in a way, you're right. It's really not a differentiating factor. But there are people that are getting are good at like optimizing for click-through rate and being more efficient from that way. But it's not going to be a major, major win for you. But there are some things like if I see your site, I trust you. I'm more likely to click you from a click-through rate standpoint because I recognize that brand. If I'm searching for car insurance, I see Geico. That's technically in the title tag. And that helps them rank, if that makes sense. And it's going to yeah. be a factor towards that.
0: Huh. I mean, I remember reading Google's originally PageRank algorithm. Back mm-hmm. in the day, like, Sergey Brin and, and, yeah. and his co-founder were, were doing that, Larry Page. And it was brilliantly simple how they just basically used links to see who was who on the internet. And this is in, I don't know, 1995 or something right. along those lines. I think it's still relatively similar. There are more ranking factors. Like they they kind of have Google Analytics installed everywhere. So mm-hmm. they know that, okay, this person is reading much longer on this page versus that page. Those are factors, but if you get a ton of links across the web pointing to copywriting software, even if your your article is labeled abcdefg.html, you might link
1: if everyone's pointing there, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's very possible. I guess the consideration set is people will take that advice and then get like a ton of spammy links back to them. Mm-hmm. And Google is now better at solving for that messy middle of knowing when people are doing that.
0: Oh, but they that was their big innovation back in the day. That that they knew your reputation based up because like if you have some spammy site that no one else is linking to, then right uh.
1: exactly. But some people are faking that they understand True. how to throw up fake websites and fake blogs in order to to recreate PageRank, um, and that's the. May- black box we talked about. Earlier. I mean,
0: we used to, I used to use like Alta Vista back in the day, right? Like, like that kind of like dog pile. Remember? I'm i like,
1: that's pre me actually. I feel like I'm old school.
0: Yeah. I mean, I used to use those types of things and then Google came along and kind of eliminated a lot of the stuff. Cause if you wanted to rank number one on dogpile.com yeah, back yeah. in the day for copywriting software, you just write copywriting software, copywriting software, copywriting software. And so long as that's you have more mentions have do, yeah. in the meta tag or the page, like you won. It was that simple. Yeah.
1: That was the uh, there's a lot of opportunity in that time. But also search gotcha. engines were so bad that like no one You really could manipulate used them. the heck out of. Well, oh, you yeah. you wouldn't even makes, use yeah, them yeah. as much cuz right. they were just garbage. Just manipulated. Yeah. I miss that period that that the sweet days where a lot of money was made. But but here's
0: here's the one thing I tell people when they're focusing on these little tactics. Mm-hmm. It's it's like and I'm sure you see this all the time. Every time you figure out some little loophole that
1: like oh Google hasn't figured this out. It's just countdown until like that's closed yeah exactly i mean yeah. i really feel we don't think that way it's really like improve the quality of your website improve the quality of the content on a per page basis and yeah there's like little hacks and things like that but it's it's not that interesting to me anymore honestly because of brand google just getting smarter and smarter and i used to be that guy don't get me wrong i'm not like pure white hat person i bought a ton of links 10 years ago yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that, but now just doesn't feel like the right thing to do.
0: Well, it, it also, I don't think it works
1: also. It, kinda, it could kind of backfire mm-hmm. against you too. It, it definitely can. I know there are people that are doing it effectively, but going back to like the scale thing, I think about our team and just operationally, someone not making a mistake at our size, buying links and putting our client brands at risk, especially when you're like playing with bigger brands, you don't want to be buying links for a public company because you get them penalized. Good luck paying back that lawsuit. Kind of thing is yeah. not a good time.
0: I, I I try to think of sites that I like to read. Something like Wait, but why? Like you know that site. They write. I haven't seen that actually. It, it's not about anything specifically, but they'll write a, a really in-depth uh, article about Elon Musk or Trek okay. or something along the mm-hmm. lines that takes them months to make. Right. And because they spent so much time just focusing on that content, they rank number one for all those things. Um, and they spend literally no time doing SEO and stuff. It's just there's that much attention going to that article and links that they rank number one. Like, I like that. And yeah, forever, yeah. they will rank number one for a long period of time because they focus on the content, not the little hacky little things here and there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and there's a ton of sites like that that just walk into those efforts and reap the rewards of it. Um, and some of well, those sites will actually, SEOs will identify them and they'll go out and buy those sites because they have so many links and they're not paying attention to what power they have. They uh, don't realize it. And then they can go use that for their own deceiving or uh, their own traffic in uh, more monetized ways, yeah.
0: Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting distinction. Uh, so I do copywriting, like we've always talked about, it's a, more, a little bit more salesy, like 70% content, 30% sales. And then you do more content marketing. And we've had this discussion before that I described copywriting, you're like, <laughs> I mean, isn't that content marketing? I'm like, uh, whatever, like, what do you, do you just think those two are
1: different? Uh, I mean, I, I think – I mean, I, I'd i be definitely curious to hear your opinion on this, but I would almost define it as copywriting is, like, almost more dense as compared to content marketing. Like, I think a copywriting is, like, you're you're so in the depth over every single word and more so is on bottom funnel pages, I would say, as well. Mm-hmm. Like, the most valuable pages, the landing pages on your website, I feel like that's copywriting more as compared to – a 4,000 word blog post. But there's also some contradictions of that where you see, I see a Brian Dean and you read one of his posts and you feel like he is like, finesse, or he's thought deeply about every single sentence and word on his site. And that's commendable. I don't know that in every context that is is necessary, but that's kind of how I think about it. It's like, I see copywriting is more dense on a per word basis and more valuable on a per word basis and content marketing still com- has elements of that, but a little less but I don't know. What do you think about it? I think
0: content marketing is strictly that you're putting stuff out in the ether on a social network or on a website and that you're trying to like, you're like a light trying to attract flies to it. Yeah. Right. So you're like, Hey, come click on me. And then like 1% of those people might subscribe to you or whatever percentage. And then perhaps in the future they'll buy, right? That's content marketing. So stuff you create, put out there and then people come to it. I think copywriting is often uh, outreaching to other people. So like cold emails. Okay. So we'll be talking about that because I know you do that a lot. Um, cold emails, mm-hmm. ads, stuff like that, that people lit- aren't necessarily coming to you for that. Um, Drop, and also like I think copywriting ad. is more in terms of getting them to take some specific action. Okay. Um, so buying something. Right. Is usually the ultimate goal of copywriting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Whereas just like general content marketing, I guess is kind of like brand awareness and stuff sometimes.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we, we try to use like, uh, we, t- we talk about the, I know we have that in common, the ADA formula. Like I, I've been try to, we try to train our team to use that for even long form blog posts. Like those first couple sentences are hyper, hyper critical to keep someone's attention. And then you want to have them ten- eventually take action, even on a top funnel piece. And how do you go about getting them to do that? Uh, obviously it's a lot longer of a process, but uh, I think there are some definitely overlap in some ways.
0: Yeah. um, Let's talk about that. So speaking of ADA, um, ADA's attention, interest, desire, action, this common copywriting uh, like marketing formula. um, I know y'all use it heavily for outreach. So I think half the battle of your company is just reaching out to other places and being like, hey, we made this great piece of content. Will y'all link it or look at it? Right. Right. And so I'm assuming y'all send out tons
1: of cold emails. A good number. Yes. I wouldn't. Tons makes it sound like a spam machine, but we send a good number of emails, yeah. So it's like, are they very personalized,
0: or uh, this is maybe some of the secret sauce? No, no. So, they're, I,
1: they're, <laughs> I would be contradicting myself, of this. they're very cus- custom, tailored, personalized. Uh, so we don't. We see that someone has shared something similar to what we're pitching them, and mm. that. So if we see they've shared a third-party uh, copywriting checklist. We pitched them a copywriting checklist or maybe it's like a copywriting template or copywriting formula uh, download or printable or something like that. That's relevant. They shared another third party source about copywriting. We know they have high intent to share ours. So that feels that's not that spammy because they're open to these third third party um, pitches. And Mm. and that's what, that's how we kind of identify and pitch people.
0: Oh, that's interesting that you're, okay. So you're targeting them like that. I've just seen so many people that just like have this giant list and they'll just send out like hundreds of emails a day. I actually had someone do that once. And like day two, I was like, dude, you got to stop this. This is, this is, this is literally just spamming people.
1: Exactly. And I think that goes back to the brand risk point of view, even not buying links. Uh, we, if we were representing a big brand and pitching 500 people, uh, spammy email that could eventually end up in the verge or something i've seen there are there are examples of SEOs <laughs> getting outed for shitty spammy outreach all the time um more so biden buying links but yeah it's not so in in general i want to do good marketing and i don't want to do something that uh, represents us or our clients poorly this is uh i don't know if you actually know this
0: number but uh what percentage of these emails that you Reach out to people actually get read or open? Do you have stats or anything? Yeah.
1: uh, uh, In terms of reply rate, a good reply rate is in the 20% range. Replies? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So uh, conversion rate will be five to eight ish percent. Good eight. We've had a higher and up in the 10% range. Again, it comes down to very custom tailored emails. So I'm sure in some instances, maybe we could get more outcomes if we sent. 200 more spammy emails, but there's a cost benefit equation to that. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Okay. So you're really doing
0: your research on who you're sending. something Exactly.
1: To. It's very tailored. We have high, very high intent um, when we're pitching them or we don't pitch them.
0: So are you spending more time figuring out who to send the email to rather than just writing the email? Because the email's probably super short.
1: Prospecting is definitely high intensity. So we spend around 60 we scope around 16 hours to send 100 ish emails wow yeah whoa okay
0: yeah Yeah, so y'all okay that's damn that's serious yeah
1: and we're working off a templated email that's customized to a degree around 20 percent of it but it's high prospecting and i've heard of some companies like us who will like silo those activities but something about just prospecting on the fly and having the context of Neville has shared copywriting resources like this. Mm-hmm. I can understand the site and looking at it quickly. It just feels makes makes sense to us to connect those. Wow.
0: Now, um, I know we've talked about Ada, and I've seen the the emails y'all make, and they're yep. they're really good and personal and sent from personal addresses and stuff like that. Um, what kind of emails
1: have you noticed work best? Like the short ones, the medium ones, the really long ones? We really go short consistently. Um, There's some tests that show longer ones work, but just for the cold pitches, where we're coming at you without much previous context, and you just gotta grab your attention quickly, just a very quick uh, one paragraph uh, link, call action, subject line that mentions their name and then what they're gonna get that's been pretty effective for us over time and it's hard to get statistical significance in what we do because we talked about we sent around 100 emails so it's it's difficult to truly ab test that but so in some ways we're going off instinct but um it's worked over time wow uh, i mean w- we redo
0: so many emails for companies and get to see the results mm-hmm. and it's like every single time the shortest email wins
1: yeah I, i'd be curious almost to know every is time. there almost like a is that getting more and more so the case? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. For, okay.
0: We're talking specifically cold emails, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. For specifically cold emails, the ultra short ones. And get this. I mean, I'm talking. So there's like short emails, what we were thinking about, like one yeah. paragraph of text. <laughs> then there's like the micro email where okay. it's like nine words or less. So I remember wow. uh, Eamon... And here's the thing. It's a little bit harder to do sometimes. So for you to ask for a link, I think you have to have a little, maybe about a context. Yeah. There has to be more context as you're talking about them. You've seen their stuff. There's more stuff to jam in there. I remember Eamon from AppSumo. He's the CEO of AppSumo. He would send this email to, let's say, a software company that they like to promote a deal, Mm -hmm. If they want to do a deal with them. He'd reach out just with sumo.com or something. (laughs) And it would say, hey, we want to promote you to our 750,000 people. Good dash amen right no, <laughs> no no phone number no like calendly link no nothing and of course like they'd always respond back like hell yeah of course Well that's the
1: ultimate a and attention right there he grabs it immediately and he had the credibility to pull that off exactly he, like he, they probably know, already knew who context, was yes, exactly. yeah
0: exactly so there's a lot going behind the scenes so not everyone can pull that off but if you could do a micro email like that i mean sometimes that works really really well
1: Yeah. And we like where it's possible. We've done it less and less because we have existing relationships. So we don't want to be pitching cold if we don't have to, but Mm -hmm. if you're pitching from at airbnb.com, that's kind of a similar instance where you have, you will get better open rates from airbnb.com than siegemedia.com. I
0: think I I once got like a a pitch from someone at a HubSpot or some, some very Mm -hmm. high ranking site. And they're like, want to do a collab question mark. And I was like, that's a great email. <laughs> Cause I, I know, I know that yeah, it's yeah. from like a big company right. and of course I want that link. So I was yeah. like, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Just And it totally worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I almost, I almost view some of those emails. Tell me if this is the same way you view it as like a cold email. I'm like, okay, forget what's in it. Forget the ADA formula. I almost view it as like a, a tap on the shoulder to like a hundred people that you're sending to. It's like, Hey, uh, are you interested? You're interested? Just, hey. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a, hey, check this out. Give me 10 minutes of your time. Blah, blah, blah. It's a it's a real just tap on the shoulder. Is, is see something if they turn interested? around, basically. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. some of them will be instantly interested. Uh, most probably won't. And and some it, are just never going to talk. Yeah,
1: to and it's an important time investment equation where you don't want to give, you don't want to be given a, uh, an essay to someone who's not going to turn around when you tap them on the shoulder.
0: Yep. Um, let's go into the content side. So right now we're talking about outreach, but then you're linking them and being like, hey, you want to link this thing, X whatever it is, a email template, a blog post, a download, something like that. Right. Okay, so making good stuff, making good content is hard. Like yes. it's, it's really hard, especially as everyone's caught onto the jig that like, oh, organic search is <laughs> awesome, right? Yes. It's like you get these forever returns. So ev- the the level has increased. It's like this arms race to make something better. For sure. So how are you doing this with like so many different clients? You've got like 85 people working with you. Like, how are you doing this at, at, at scale? There's only a handful of amazing places. Like I know like NerdWallet, HubSpot that do content at scale really well where the content's actually like pretty good. Like you actually read it and you're like, yeah, that's a pretty good post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like how, how long does it take you to write like one
1: piece of content like that? So, I mean, we start off at a minimum of 18 hours dedicated per post. Wow. Uh, We rarely will even use that interval of time. We'll actually do 36 hours on average is the low end where we call it's like keyword driven posts where distribution is built in via search volume, but we're not doing any outreach based on the market. So 36 hours, and that's blended time between designers, writers, copy editor, uh, manager who's like looking over it. So long story, yeah, at least 30, at least a week generally. And that's when you have multiple skill sets involved to get to depth.
0: So um, you're talking about there's like SEO people, planning people, writing people, images people, video people, technical people, uploading it to an actual website, animation people, people doing the promotion. Like how many people are involved in
1: like a single piece of content? It can be uh, as high as 10 people, uh, probably not on a two year, well, that, that eight, it's. 36-hour posts, to be fair. In that one, it's more like two people or four on average, but you'll have soft touches from other people. If you have something that's interactive, uh, the copy editing side definitely can get upwards of 10. Um, In terms of the mini touch points of the manager, the strategy people, we ideate with as a group. So we're getting to the best idea as a group of like five and six. And yeah, it compounds. And that is one of the things we're selling is like you're getting 10 people per piece of content, not just one writer you can get off Upwork.
0: This is what I want people to know (laughs) that like sometimes when people are like, oh, but HubSpot just puts out a blog post. I'm like, no, there's like a lot of people, like well-paid people, trained people, good people around the world working on this one what you consider like tiny little blog post.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in a component we're increasingly thinking about, and I don't think many people spend as much time and effort on this, is the UX design of their blog. Mm -hmm. I know HubSpot has a very elegant, fast loading, um, great user experience on their content framework that allows them to accomplish scale because they might not need as much design on a per post basis because that framework looks so good. And that might cost them $50,000 $50,000 to execute and design well and be on brand, but once that cost is done, now they have 3,000 posts that they can put in that framework and rank for everything, if that makes sense. As compared to like Joe Schmo blogger, who just does a WordPress install, maybe throws his logo on there, but it still loads slowly, sidebar doesn't look great, doesn't look custom, etc.
0: Yeah, that that UX component of it is mm-hmm. really, really important. I learned CSS to kind of like update my blog and I, I know it to like a degree. Right. And it really helps just with the readability. For I sure. actually just recently put out a request to get even more help with it. But the the good blogs out there, I mean, they've got like top end designers. Uh, you know, thinking about the typography, the spacing, everything. It's it's uh, pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, and if you think about, I, I use the same word, I feel like phrase a lot, it's like the sunk cost differentiator. It's like you're we're here in a set that's like very nice and that not many people are gonna be willing to invest in that in terms of a set and things like that. But same with the UX design, people. some people are willing to spend 30,000 on their UX design, some people are only willing to spend three, but that time to ROI will come a lot, a lot faster. And sometimes it won't come at all if you're only spending three. Damn,
0: well, so speaking of like kind of a little more technical side, um, do you use any tools? For SEO, there's a lot of SEO tool talk and everything. What's
1: your, what's your stack? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty boring, uh, I love Hrefs. Hrefs is like the go-to, honestly. We also use Moz to find some additional links. They There was a recent study that actually showed they do apparently the best job in terms of pure link discovery. That's good for us in the agency's standpoint where we wanna show the client everything we did. If you're in-house, might not be as important to find every single link that exists. So maybe you could just use HRS for your keyword research, competitive research, link research, all those good things. We use SEMrush too, is just another competitive research backup plan. Um, Hunter for email finding, Buzzstream is kind of our CRM for outreach, digital PR. So our team all does database management within that. And recommend that, especially if you're trying to accomplish scale and have lots of people, you don't wanna be emailing HubSpot five times from um, your Siege media accounts or they'll quickly blacklist you. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that sounds like a pretty simple, like technology stack. It's not yeah, yeah. that complex. I mean, I remember asking you that question before and you just
1: said like, I guess just Ahrefs. Yeah. I mean, that that's really 90% of the heavy lifting, but BuzzStream is a huge component as well in terms of a uh, database management for, for outreach.
0: Nice. Ahrefs like the standard now. Uh, shout out yeah. Tim Sulo. Hey, yeah. yeah, he's the man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, One interesting thing we always talk about, we have like a members forum where we help people redo their content and stuff. And of course, I'll screen share my Ahrefs screen. And they're like, oh, how do I get that? And I'm like, well... It's pretty pricey. Yeah. Um, it. So it makes sense for me to buy it. I don't know if it makes sense for you to buy it. So what I've always showed them is this other free uh, SEO tool. And it's completely free. It's called uh, Google. And uh, <laughs> nice. dude, Google is so it's cool. So good, yeah. So type in whatever term you want. I don't know, copywriting software, whatever you want. We're just using that example. Scroll all the way to the bottom, and it shows you all the results. And now it'll often show you the similar searches, like right in the top. Yeah. It's
1: like you can find the user intent by just looking at the uh, Google results. For sure. Yeah, especially for the big terms, if you if you can use, it depends on your sophistication. But if you, if you can understand the short tail keyword, like copywriting software, mm. you probably can infer what the big term is. And maybe as a tip for copywriters who are searching, if you search something that feels like the main way someone might search something like copywriting tools, and then you look at the search, and you see all the titles are saying something that not exactly copywriting tools, but something slightly different, that probably means that is probably the biggest keyword or term and maybe lean into that instead. So like an example of that might be like copywriting software 2020 or some, or like, I don't know better, like copywriting. I know like if you you, you type in, if you type in the
0: local result, like plumbers, Right. It's not going to be like how to become a plumber. It's going to be at Plumbers Austin, Plumbers San Diego, Plumbers New York. So that's the hint. So you're just like, oh, they're going for local results. People are looking. This user intent is looking for a specific plumber in a specific geographic location.
1: Right. So you
0: instantly know that and that is a free tool called Google. You scroll to (laughs) the bottom and it shows 10 different results that are the most common after that.
1: Yeah. And uh, we use that hugely. I talked about BuzzStream, but for our prospecting, almost all that is through Google. My, our theory, and I think, is i don't want to call it fact but basically fact if you're finding the sites that link to you through google pretty good chance google values those websites so in turn they should value those links from those websites if you can get links from them so we do all our prospecting for people to link to us via google um almost all of it how long does it typically take to rank something i know it's a newbie question but i'll just pose it to you because i'm sure your clients ask you that sometimes as a very general ballpark, if you're a brand new website and it's a competitive industry, if you invest heavily 12 months, I think it's feasible. who If you're really, really good from a strategic standpoint. If you have existing authority, let's say your DR, in most spaces, let's say your domain ranking is HRS number, domain authority, uh, Moz's number. In the 50-ish range, you probably can, if you're sophisticated in your strategy, six months I think very feasibly you can get some results if you're doing things correctly from that you like you're not so so far behind but you're behind I think that's feasible so most often we're saying six months you'll start seeing the 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 anchor move around months three to four and then it accelerates I will normally say like you'll see the hockey stick grow month six plus for that kind of client, and we do have those existing clients that are six six month range where you really see that growth. Wow. So, I mean, content marketing clearly kind of a commitment. Yeah, for sure. And there's spaces like if you're trying to start from scratch in insurance, you're not going to rank for home, car insurance, home insurance, life insurance. That could be two years. Sweet. So So uh, okay. Plus. So
0: clearly, content marketing is kind of a, a bit of a commitment, right? And there's I think there's one secret thing of all the the. There's a lot of these like underground SEOs that people don't know. They're not very public about their stuff. Yeah. I'm sure you know some people are like killing it and like they've got zero Twitter followers. They don't talk about anything. Right, for sure. Yeah, And they're, they're really good, right? Really great content no, and, and weird industries.
1: Like yeah. They don't, they don't want to be random industries. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Not like so best software, best VPNs or anything like that. They're, they're talking about like a real strength, like Traeger grill reviews or something like that. Like, yeah,
1: I think of uh, Pat Flynn. I haven't followed him as much recently, but he had like a truck website. I remember we like publicly talked about it, mm-hmm. but he immediately put a bullseye on his, on his stomach yeah. of every single SEO or affiliate saw, Oh, this was a lucrative niche for like something random. And then mm-hmm. he saw a ton of copycat stuff pop up. So there's real danger to speaking about anything. Oh, like I mean,
0: I started doing e-commerce and that was my main yeah. strategy for getting people. I had a, a rave company and I would talk <laughs> about it openly, stupidly when I was like in college, but Oh man, it's so easy to rank for these things. And yeah. of course, so my site was called house of rave. And then you hear like home of pop up or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You check. And the, the guy would, you check your email. Like he did like have emailed you before and stuff like that. Yeah, like, they, they know what's up. Um, but, uh, but redoing and improving content seems to be a similar thread to all those people. So I know a lot of SEOs and like literally 80% of their job, I'd say, is just kind of going and redoing articles, which sounds boring as whatever, <laughs> but it is kind of the secret sauce.
1: Yeah. You know? Or killing it, killing oh. content. I think that's increasingly as we're getting hmm. more mature, as you kind of talked on, one of the things we do for some clients who come in is content audits is- you look at them and you look at what kind of pages have no traffic or no links that are old and they have no other value to you, you could, in many instances, just four or four of those pages and your other pages will lift because those aren't doing anything for you. And it's kind of like an equation of links against number of pages on your site. But updating is for sure an equation too. Like one of the things we recommend is looking at the search results. And if you see everything has been updated, again, we keep talking copywriting software, the dates I'll say in the last month, you should aim to be in the top 25 percentile of that to be competitive because users probably are showing, hey, I want modern copywriting software. I'm more likely to click you because you clearly are more likely to have the most updated content. But there are spaces like how to garden or something. You'll see articles that are like, the spread on the search result is like four years. Mm. You don't necessarily need to update all day and all night. That doesn't hurt to be up modern, but it's not as important as like iPhone 12 uh, reviews or something like that, which will probably be 24 hours or less. And you want to have, what are your
0: thoughts on the current trend of like modern gardening techniques updated 2020
1: spammy is, I mean, you can typically tell depending on, on, well, here's the thing. It kind of works, right? It depends on the space. I, I think Google is kind of showing you that it might not in some of those instances. And there is a brand piece of that equation, if you're, see, if you're, I mean, I, I market to marketers. Mm-hmm. So if I use that technique, I'm gonna turn off enterprise customers by doing that. I'm not saying the gardeners will do that. It might be effective there, but there's just something, if you land on that page, and I've had that happen, you land and you actually see there's some shears that are outdated <laughs> or something, mm-hmm. or the old product, you lose brand, ec- or like f- affinity for that company. So use that sparingly. I think people overuse that. And I think that's increasingly the recommendation now is you can't, you shouldn't even like go and just quickly update the date. You need to do full, like I call it a quality assurance sweep. Like Mm. what really deeply look at this, make real changes in order to justify changing that date. Because Google is also getting smarter. I've I've seen sites that um, change the date, like almost programmatically. And more and more of those sites are just getting dinged. And it not, seems like not, a tactic that'll go away. Yeah. I think point. it already kind of has, honestly. yeah, There was this there was a phase where it was super, super abused. I remember Viper Chill even wrote an article about it, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Shout out to Glenn. Yeah. And now I don't think you see it as often where literally the top five, top 10 results are like literally all 24, past 24 hours. Because I was seeing it for a short period of time where like everything was like updated 2020, updated mid
0: 2020, updated post pandemic, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Some of that stuff I actually think like maybe could work a little bit if, but for the most part, it seems like a tactic that will get uh, axed. I remember, remember the whole clickbait phase we went through in 2012, 13 of like you will best uh, farming trick. You won't believe what he does. Dot, 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 dot. (laughs) It's very grabby, but you do not see those anymore because they are essentially eliminated from any sort of search results, social or organic results.
1: Yeah, agreed. Any it's and gone. That's kind of my default with any strategies if it feels dirty, don't do it. Like today you see Great people advice. with these like FAQ things under search results that to me don't make sense in context long term for those search results to just have a random people also ask question thing. You might have seen it. But that I we don't I don't personally recommend that to clients because it doesn't actually make sense. In, it shows up, but it doesn't make sense in so I have concerns about. The long-term viability. Uh, one thing
0: I always tell people is just like, look, SEO, like the technical side of it is to help the computer. So if you're going for copywriting software, if your thing is called, you know, ross.com slash copywriting software, right. that helps Google say, okay, we're pretty sure this is about copywriting software. <laughs> and then if your title says that in there too, they'll be like, okay, we're really almost sure that this is about copywriting software. But you, that stuff is for the computer. That stuff is for robots. The actual content should be for humans. If humans consume your content really well, then the robot will be happy.
1: Right? yes agreed agreed yeah. and increasingly you can't solve those are just like the very basic things uh and it's mm-hmm. solving for the humans is our part so, so going back to the redoing and improving content topic is that
0: something y'all do frequently like is is there like a period of time like after 12 months you're like okay we got to go and re-update it or anything yeah
1: I kind of going back to I call it we have an article on our website uh called I call it freshness distance is like what is the distance on the search result between those Mm. dates. So that should tell you how often you need to update something. So you don't wanna just update just to update it, but if you're feeling outdated on that search result, that's one way of doing that. We definitely do it for old posts, especially for ones that are highly, highly effective for us. And we know they're competitive. We will preemptively say, let's do a refresh of this article, maybe get new stats, new data. So we will do that probably in the 12 months plus range for a campaign, we'll start thinking about refreshes. Hmm. Uh, So
0: I I recently changed my domain from copywriting course with Ks, which I loved, but for certain reasons we had to get rid of to copywriting course with Cs. Um, Whenever you start saying stuff like the copywriting course community and uh, they're all with Ks, you can imagine where this goes. It gets a little bit dicey. Yeah, it's actually been a problem. So anyways, we changed domains. So um, I'm not really worried about, we had good SEO before and we kind of had to like let that trail off while we made the domain change. Have you ever had because you do this at scale? Is there a fun way to go redo content?
1: Have you ever thought about that? My, because it sounds like a very boring task sometimes. My my idea of fun these days is the it's is the UX redesign <laughs> of the whole site. It's not it's not like on the per page basis. It's like how can we blanket ten x maybe ten x is a strong word, but like five x improve what this site is doing. So on a per post basis, it's a little harder. Of course, you have so many illustrations to things like that. So if you updated your blog design as well and did something different, you'd probably have to wholesale go change everything. So that's that actually stops a lot of people from ever doing redesigns. But um, I don't have a great answer for you there other than that.
0: Well, well what about this? I thought it'd be fun. I was gonna <laughs> think about, so I like this idea of like collaborative copy. Okay. We've done a lot of surveys on the site uh, so we're putting up uh, a bunch of freeway signs right now in San Francisco for a guy's gym. So okay. Like, yeah. We we're just like, this would be a fun experiment. So we like source that to the crowd to see what he should say on the signs. Right. Okay. So it was just more fun to involve other people, the, 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 the mind of the crowd rather than just, uh, you know, a couple of us. So I was just like, I wonder if there's a way to do like collaborative copy for going through each post and like updating or like a core content
1: month review. I don't know. I was trying to make it fun, but. It just sounds like y'all do this No, I mean, I, and... I think those are good strategies at scale for our clients. It's a little more difficult, mm-hmm. but like in your situation, I, I, lo- I do love the strategy of including people socially and then changing it. That's a built-in distribution network. I see it all the time where people will like run a survey. We'd love to include your opinions on this post on social. Some influencers see that they contribute. Then you update the post. You can now reach out to those people it's built-in distribution mechanism that's very s- simple and effective super effective yeah and it's not like spammy ego be like i was the best copywriter it's you contributed to this post in a useful way
0: yeah i had uh nomadic matt in here They mm-hmm. runs like a huge travel yeah. site and he was talking they have like two thousand plus posts and for travel you definitely need to be updating all the time because like hostels go in and out of business all the time and in today's hotels, world, especially yeah. Especially with what's going on in the world Everything's today. Outdated, bro. So so I remember I got like almost like anxiety thinking about updating two thousand posts about travel. I was like, Oh my god, you have to yeah. do this. He's like eighty oh, percent wow. of our time spent right, is just updating posts.
1: Yeah, I mean at certain at certain thresholds too, some verticals there's only two hundred posts. Like mm. I I think of a I, I one thing that comes to top of mind is referral software. It's like this company, I forget the name of it actually, but it basically they made it easier for people to refer that business, almost like an affiliate mm-hmm. thing for businesses, but there's only so many topics around referral software. It's like referral marketing ideas, referral marketing, how to do referral Yeah, marketing. there's yeah. like 20. So you want to make those absolutely amazing and that was the strategy. was like go super big, make this defensible, and then just update those. But if you're in wedding, you're the knot. There's thousands of pound, thousands of posts. It might be a little harder, but at least those are evergreen, so it might be a little more excess. Uh, over time, you got to make those changes. Cool. And So one interesting thing
0: is um, the content. I'm sure you heard the term content mill. Content mill just yes. means like a place that just cranks <laughs> out content. Um, so we did this experiment a long time ago a couple of years ago where we got a bunch of people on Fiverr to write articles for five bucks a piece. Okay. On like every writing topic under the sun. And we we openly published this. We're just like, yo, this site's gonna get real spammy for a second. And and so we're like, we got all these people to do it at scale. I, I wasn't involved in any of them. I didn't edit any of them. I didn't do anything. They were all uploaded automatically. So we had 50 posts in like what we called a glossary, right? And in the first like six weeks or something, nothing happened at all. And I was like, well, I just wasted several hundred dollars you know that was nothing, but then two years later, you find these like random articles that just start peaking and getting a lot of traffic out of nowhere. Um, they're not necessarily the most related, so it's not like they like bring in tons of business, but they do bring in some search traffic. What are your thoughts on these, these content mills and playing that game of like put out 150 posts, maybe two will hit?
1: Uh, it's it's high risk because it can bring out it can bring down the rest of the site. In a way, like those other things are weighing against other elements. So that could work. But if you have a very lucrative other page, you're putting that at risk, trying to get two winners there. I think you could throw up a hypothetical site and do that and test it, and maybe you make some money off of ads, Adsense, or something like that around certain topical silos. And I think I've heard of some of those behind the scenes people doing that in mm-hmm. terms of like throwing up a shitty site on certain topics seeing what sticks and what sort of starts ranking and then double down on that. Um, that's not a terrible strategy. I do think today Google is smarter and if you're just trying to wing ranking for something without topical expertise. Uh, good luck long-term.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, some of those things like kind of panned out a little bit and we kept those posts, but overall it just felt like a weird strategy to like do. It felt and, like a little bit gaming the system.
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in a way, I think that is almost... Uh, way of probably not it is luck it's almost like luck spraying prey and you happen to hit on something low competition is most likely what's happening there mm-hmm. you and i that happens all the time with random websites you hear the stories oh i rank for this stupid uh completely non-relevant keyword that is like porn related it's probably you just hit on some non-competitive thing which probably isn't that, but you hit on that and then it starts ranking and that's just probably pure luck. But that is one outcome that can happen when you have an authoritative site.
0: Well, we we also found that the the articles that ranked really well is what we call, like, I guess, like high school content. It's like high school kids okay. looking up like, what is a th- glossary or what is a thesaurus? So like random little search terms like that, so, that they, they get traffic, but it's just like, ultimately it, it doesn't bring us any business or the right audience. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know sure if that's even really worth it.
1: Which sounds exactly that, that sounds non because no one monetized it, can really monetize it most likely, that's probably why it's not competitive. Mm. And that's why you rank for it. That It's not universally true, but more often than not. Yeah,
0: theoretically, ultimately Google will probably just answer their question of like, what is this, Like a, it's like a dictionary question. So that'll...
1: Yeah, they, they can, there are some, inc- we, one thing we didn't touch on that we've been doing more of recently is like, those things can attract links over time, depending on the concept probably in elementary school stuff, not as much, but if you're like in cybersecurity and it's a what is blank topic, Mm -hmm. people will grab that definition and link to it on their website. Mm. So increasingly we're trying to show up in searches like that, where someone might grab a data point, like what is the cost to remodel my kitchen? It's $20,000. They'll find the reference point linked to you. So you as an engine could find that and aim to rank for that, and that could power your site from a link standpoint. So that's more and more what we're doing today. Like, what is the ideal blog post blog post length? That would be something. In my maybe you already have that article, but you have the authority to rank on. Probably could attract like 300, 400 links over time, just from ran, someone randomly finding that and quick answer and linking to you. So it's not the best strategy, but it's a strategy. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> it's it's a thing.
0: Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, I mean, I will say there is something about just like spending a lot of time on one great piece of work that I, one that you're, I think you just naturally feel proud of. Yeah. That's actually helpful. And one, I've noticed like one good blog post can return for like five years. And I'm talking like actual clients that you want, uh, get signups, emails, subscribes, your social channels. All it's like one good blog post can really go a hell of a long way. So, I prefer to like work on that kind of stuff. Cause it's just more interesting in my opinion.
1: Yeah. In, in evergreen for sure. We go, mm. I, I agree with that. We're generally thinking it's, it's okay if you got to update stuff. Um, but with that in mind that you're, you're going to build towards a hero piece. So it's always so a good thing to do.
0: Let, let's switch gears a little bit to talk about uh, social media. So, SEO long for the longest time, especially in the early days of the internet, like you go to google.com, type in whatever you want, look at the first results, click that. That's how you discovered things. Now there are these things called, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, TikTok, all <laughs> that kind of stuff that it's almost like the content finds you. Like I'll, I'll open up Instagram or TikTok or something like that and just mindlessly scroll and see something and be like, oh, what's that website? Like it, it's almost like a new form of discovery what do you think uh, of the influence of that? Is it takeaway from Google or is it still, is it all related?
1: Yeah, and that's an interesting observation. I almost, I almost wonder if that's like a new way of like trivia collection is like we're getting hit with like just miscellaneous facts that we might have rather <laughs> cared, <laughs> cared to Google and discover and maybe in some ways it replaced a future action because we thought of it in some way, mm. but I bet it wouldn't like net-net, you're still gonna have that time and searches might go up for some of those things, but that it is interesting to think about that. Um, but one of, the, one of the goals is SEO is like, things that probably have high search volume, if you randomly find that on Twitter and you're interested in, again, copywriting about that ideal blog post length, you'll probably stop and you like that, you might even link to it, and that's gonna help your SEO kind of the side of the equation. Hmm. Um, so like connecting those things is worth, like I, if I know someone searches for it and I have an interested social media audience, probably a good chance they're gonna like that when I share it on social too.
0: I, I mean, it used to be kind of like remember social media when it first came out was like oh the joke was like oh sharing what you had for breakfast yeah and then people realized <laughs> wait a second you could communicate a thought to potentially the whole world right away for free like this is a pretty cool thing so then of course like you know marketers kind of ruin it Gary Vaynerchuk quote marketers ruin everything of like they start put, posting their business stuff and offers and everything on there but right. the thing is it works uh, people sell stuff on Instagram people do make a lot of money on TikTok people make a lot of money and in, in, on YouTube so. um, it almost see it like if you have a really good article, you kind of break it up into a bunch of different social pieces, right? So you are a your best best uh uh copywriting software thing. You could actually break that up into a slideshow on Instagram, or make it a tweet, or something like that. It's almost like a natural extension of that content, and it's got like a there's the main piece of content and a little fingerlings going out there on all the different social networks.
1: And speak, I mean Gary Gary, I think he called that. I don't know if he debuted that model, but called like, I think it's the Gary Vaynerchuk content model or something. He has a great deck. Basically he makes one hero piece of content and he'll get like 300 pieces of content from that hero piece. Oh yeah. He definitely like,
0: I don't know if he started it, but he was
1: definitely one of the first one to kind of like coin to it market it and talk yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, and I know marketing. that deck that you're talking about. Yeah. is
0: fantastic by the way. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Is that something you'll do with content
1: now? We do. Uh, we haven't pushed it as hard. It is. I think this is one of those interesting pushes and pulls where it depends on how deep you go on some things. I find, I even get weird anxiety as a social media marketer, if I overshare, like you feel the second thing dwindle in the terms of the engagement you get. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like sharing a second piece of the the same content, maybe this is just me overthinking it, you get less engagement and then I'm like, oh, is this gonna eventually dwindle to zero because I'm now sharing something that's less effective. I think in his case, if he's sharing a keynote that got like 400,000 views, that makes sense. So the, but there's probably levels of like my content is getting a thousand very targeted B2B viewers that doesn't cut up very nicely down to 20. If that makes sense. Like I'm probably going to, people are going to stop caring as much while well, his super Epic piece. I probably the proof is in the pudding that people will care and more segments of the the market will care about pieces of that.
0: Also like if, if someone's searching for a specific thing, the user intent is very high. Whereas they see it as a random feed while they're, you know, sitting on the toilet. Right. It's just like not as, you know, they're not they as don't engaged. Want to, like yeah. they'll, they'll see it, they'll like it maybe, but the intent, I don't know, isn't, isn't all that strong. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But the cool part is it it's, it's kind of free exposure, which is interesting. So for whatever it's worth.
1: Yeah, I actually think, I don't know if I probably should check and maybe this is why this is top of mind as well. I think our video, I cut one piece up of it, a few pieces up for it, and it did rank for some random long tail keywords. So I'm probably... I yeah. stopped doing it as much, but are you are you doing that? I remember we did a long form
0: interview on Siege Media, mm. and um, and then you cut it up, at, and there was a, a section called Ada Formula. Yeah, and I had a video on Ada Formula, but yours was filmed in much better quality, and so I actually linked that on an Ada post. I think, I think that, it ranks on Google for eight of four. An I know hour, it so does. It does really well. I yeah, looked yeah. it up and I, I see, I see my face and, nice. and your face. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that strategy works. There you Don't go. Talk, I, yeah, yeah. I guess so. That is a smart way of applying it. For yeah. Sure. Um, so that would be an, a natural segue into a uh, YouTube strategy. we got a few more minutes over here. Um, so y'all do some awesome videos on Siege Media and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. It's It's, it's actually really good. I almost actually can't believe your channel isn't bigger. Um, I'm always surprised at the quality, <laughs> and and one of my one of my friends who is a SEO person, um, one of those like unnamed killing it but like no one knows who he is okay. kind of people, uh, we always talk about your channel and we're just like I don't know why this doesn't have more subscribers. This is some good stuff. Like you'll have Pep Laja from uh, CXL yeah, yeah. on there, and like you have pretty good conversations. You have a lot of your own people telling like exactly how their job is done, which is like pretty rare. Um, is the amount of time you spend on making these YouTube videos because uh, Y'all do like some
1: high quality production. Um, is, is it worth it? I think so. I mean, uh, in terms, of, sometimes it's hard to measure, but you see it in the lead requests. Like we're growing pretty nicely. If you think about the fact, we could only have 50 viewers on a video. One of those is a qualified buyer that we really speak to with a targeted message. They'll spend lifetime, they could spend lifetime $300,000 with us. Well. Wow. So just that ROI equation is very clear. I do sometimes think that, and we probably could go deeper in terms of like growing the channel, but I kind of touched on one of the things I thought of um, when I saw that question on what you're gonna bring up, is I do think with some things is yeah, we could have like very like markety thumbnails and titles and stuff like that. But at the same time, I would feel hurt inside of me to do that as a marketer, (laughs) marketing to marketers. And there's probably a middle ground where we could grow our channel more by not doing that. But I almost, it is weird that as a marketer, marketing to marketers, you can't do (laughs) A plus marketing or you're doing more like F marketing. That makes sense? Yeah. For depending on, on the audience set. So in some ways, I think our channel could be bigger but I don't hate where we are and I know it's driving ROI. But like
0: the few thousand subscribers you have are probably extraordinarily high quality. You probably have like exactly. grand Fishkin subscribe to you.
1: Yeah, B2B marketers who yeah. are purchase decision makers. Uh, well, for, that's what, there's, there's always companies. like a bit of yeah. cognitive, disson-
0: cognitive dissonance uh, with your channel. Cause I've mentioned your channel to a couple of people. I'm like, oh, I subscribe. And it's like a high level person, but then right. some some nobody doesn't know who you are even if they're sort of interested in SEO. So, so maybe that's a pretty genius thing. Your, your, your audience is very high quality.
1: Hopefully. Yes. Nice. If if you're in our audience, you are high quality.
0: Oh, well, well, I'm subscribed to you. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. Um, So that kind of answers my question about videos. I mean, I think it it is like one of those things where, uh, yeah,
1: one person can have that huge LTV. And you could turn them off by doing the wrong strategy. So yeah. it, it is worth seven considering SEO that, strategies yeah. for yeah. I do. You see that? I think there's this natural in, in for anyone in whatever their market is. You feel like you need to have a hundred thousand subscribers, but mm. it's all industry specific. It's, it's okay. I don't know smart. if there's a.
0: I don't know if one way is better or another because I know mm. like someone like Neil Patel. I, I think uh, Brian Dean. They do the more generalized yeah, yeah. SEO videos that are pretty in depth, but also for, kind of for newbies. Um, So like, that's also one way to do it. It, I don't know if there's any better way or not.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there's multiple ways for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, And last couple of questions, Uh, local SEO. This is a big one because we get a lot of people that have physical stores. And of course right now uh, with what's going on in the world, like everyone's going online and they'll they'll be like a plumber or something like that, right? So they're like, well, I looked up the search terms apparently how to become a plumber is a big term. Should I write an article on that? And I'm like, okay, brand new newbie to the internet. Like one, it's unlikely you're going to rank for that really quick. Two, I'm not sure you have like total amount of expertise for it. And three, really what they're looking for is just dominating the local results. Um, is that something you all delve in or you're all more?
1: You know? Oh, we we have a few clients who do local, normally like more national local, to be honest. My quick take on that, I don't know if the query how to become a plumber, but there's some things like, say, mortgage calculator and your local mortgage agent or something mm-hmm. like that, you're never going to rank for a mortgage calculator, but there is a general user need for things like that on your website that you can consider as well as like, you probably should still have that as a general content play, even locally. So that's a consideration outside of your ability to rank it for it. Hmm.
0: Yeah. We, I mean, we've done it with restaurants and small little shops and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And honestly, uh, with, with local SEO, it's almost like a whole different game. It's more like it's more like a Yelp index rather than a Google search result, because all all they do is if they update the hours, yeah, on the thing, they put a the proper title, their proper address, their phone numbers, um, a couple of pictures that always goes to help, and get a couple of friends to leave reviews. Um, that's pretty much pretty all you good. really need to kind of dominate some of those local local listings. You don't have to do too much more than that.
1: Yeah, just get review volume and and constantly yeah, update your pro- reviews every month. Just after. make sure
0: your your hours and stuff are. Or update. It's it's actually pretty interesting. Um I think we're towards the end of our time here, but um let's see, what what do you think like the future of SEO is? Is it gonna change at all?
1: Do you see any have you seen any massive changes since when you started versus now or I think one of the things you touched on at the very beginning is increasingly the case is just the latter effect of quality. It's like harder and harder. The time to ROI is gonna get longer and longer as it gets more competitive. And It'll feel like I can throw up an article on what is copywriting and rank tomorrow, but the time to get there is gonna be long, just really far out. So I don't think fundamentally how you do it will change much. It'll just be the quality barrier is higher than ever. Mm-hmm. Every year that passes, because increasingly someone sees someone ranking one, they say, I have to be better than that person. They do it better. Next month, someone else has gotta beat that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the race continues. The race continues. <laughs> and, uh, well, that's good for your company too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we one of our values as a company is strive to be better. And I that's fundamentally, I think, we have to do that to strive.
0: Nice. Where can people find you? And y'all have any products that tell people about SEO and
1: all that stuff or what? Yeah, we have, uh, I mean, check out our YouTube channel, subscribe. I'll link that, we do have a content marketing course which we use to train our own team. Did it scratch your own itch? So check that out. But uh, find find us on Twitter, me on Twitter, and happy to share all, all of our dirty secrets there. Cool. And, and if Media, anyone's yeah. going to ask
0: me about an SEO recommendation, it's you. That's it's, it's pretty much Siege Media. That's, that's <laughs> the only you. company I recommend that I have like experience Besides with. that Actually, does but yeah. Otherwise, thanks. So awesome. Uh, Ross Hudgens thanks thanks everyone it's been a copywriting course I hope you learned something interesting I thought this was a really fun conversation yeah have uh, time. Try to pack it me. into about an hour so thanks Ross Hudgens and uh, check out his stuff and we'll uh, talk to you later yeah Take thanks care. for having me
1: All right.